podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. David! Gagan! How are you doing, my friend? This has been a long long time coming i think how long has it been since we did old school two and a half Stop. years jesus christ well, see, you've, been too busy. You've, you've, you've been too busy to, to give Ex- the listeners what they wanted they, they, this this new the exaggeration band. is off the scale but we'll accept that <laughs> it's not Listen. been two and a half years it's been two and a half months probably <laughs> but yeah it's been two a long and a half time. years and so much has happened right yeah. So much has happened. And, um, so much has know, happened in the last week and a half. It's absolutely insane. I think a lot's happened in the, in it, this, this season. It's been a nightmare. It's been an absolute horrendous season. I think a win, um, a couple of wins doesn't change that really. It's still horrendous for me. Um, so, but, but, but we're not here to talk about the season. But maybe the season is what has triggered what we're going to talk about to be honest because um yeah so last week fsg news leaked out that fsg are willing to sell the club mm. um you know we did reaction shows obviously on that so we've discussed all the but i think there's there's a little bit more to discuss on this so we're going to do it there's always school. a little bit of extra meat in the bone gags there always is and bit. i think there's some important discussions to be had at the same time. Um, and I think that's where we're going to go. We're going to go down there. But to start with, to start with, uh, let's recap the reaction really to FSG wanting to sell. I mean, in my, in my opinion, um, I just do want to ask, can you hear anything in the background now? No. Okay, that's fine. Don't worry, you don't need to edit that. We just wanted to double check. But um, my, I mean, I want to ask, I felt, sorry, before I ask, I wanted to just tell you what I felt. This um, noise, is, this background noise has put me off a little bit. Um, I I actually feel scared a little bit about what's to come. That was my initial reaction because um, whilst we know the flaws of the regime we, are, we have right now, there's also a lot of good things that have been brought through. And where we are as a club is because of some of the decisions they made. And yeah, of course, it, it, it goes down to individuals, Edwards and Klopp and stuff. But it boils down to the people they brought in. And we're here because of that. Um, but then obviously, Dave, the reaction is who, who <laughs> you know, let's talk their legacy. Actually, that's probably the best place to start. Well, you're right in, in, in that feeling of being a little bit scared. You, you absolutely are because... Regardless of what people think of FSG, 
there's no denying they've been good custodians of this football club. They've taken care of this football club and they've grown the football club. And that's basically the job of the owners is to take care of it, to ensure its future, to grow it, to bring more fans. And that's what they've done. And, you know, we find ourselves in this really weird situation now of being sold in the social media era. Whereas, you know, the last sale, the banks forced that. And it it all happened very, very quickly. Interestingly, Interestingly, the sale, this sale, is what convinced me to create AI. Yeah. Okay, so that that was the start of Twitter. That was the first year or so of Twitter. Yeah. That sale played out on Twitter, and what everybody realised was that the the updates coming from the court were much faster on Twitter than they were on BBC. Because before, you'd go to a live blog, right, Dave? You'd go and sit on a live blog, and you'd go and watch yeah. it and update it. It'd take ages, because you've got to go and update a website, and someone's got to do it for you. You've got to send them a message. Twitter is the guy's in control. The person who's there is in control. Yeah. And during this court case, they were there and popping out, sending a message, going back in, coming out, sending a message, going back in. And it, and it was unbelievable. It changed the game. It did, okay, entirely. Just, and, and that's where I thought... It brought people off the message boards yeah. onto Twitter. And that's and... when I thought this platform's... Gonna, and, and it's coincided really with... FSG coming in, and that's where the idea of AI came. So for me, AI synonymous with FSG's time. It's crazy. But that's the thing. If you think of even the podcast side of AI, we're nine years into the podcasts, mm. and it, it, the entire thing has been under the stewardship of FSG. And, you know, look. We won't talk everyone's, about the everyone's podcast, everyone's Liverpool podcast yeah. is this legacy. That's it. There's never been, nobody was like, nobody was podcasting when the last sale happened. They all began a year or so after that with Kenny as the manager. And it's been this journey since all under FSG's ownership. And look, look, there's, there's obviously, you take anything in the world, there's going to be two different viewpoints on it. There's obviously quite a, a strong pro-FSG like feeling and quite a strong anti-FSG feeling. There's also the lunatic fringe that are just completely irrational about everything. And I kind of find myself having always been in the middle, like leaning one way or another, but never fully in one camp I, or the other. I've, yeah, I've always felt you've been fair. So you've either praised them when good things have happened, so when they made the right signings, when they pushed the right, got the right people in, you always praise that. When you thought they didn't spend enough, when you thought that the window went bad, you'd say that. That's yeah. that's that's just that's just the right way to be. Personally, you would never FSG out you were never FSG in. You were Brendan no. out, but I think all of us were. Yeah. Oh, that's right? the thing. Like, so and like yeah. when I'm ardently against something, I'll I'll speak against it. My my. Oh, we know. Oh, my. <laughs> my view with FSG for the last few years is that I I have felt it was time for them to move on, hmm. and I was open to them moving on. 
But I wanted to hear real suggestions in terms of who do you want to replace him. So when people on social media were banging this drum that they had to go, they weren't going to be ambitious enough to sustain success, I would just say to them, well, who do you want? Who would you like as the new owners of this club? Who is going to do a better job? Because I'm old enough to remember, and you're old enough to remember, when we had David Moores as as owner. Mm. And a lot of fans felt that he wasn't ambitious or wealthy enough to get us to the level that we needed to be at. And at that time, there was very much a feeling of anybody with money. Anybody with money. And look what we ended up with. Hicks and Gillette, two toxic human beings who almost ruined this football club. Yeah. So my thing has always been, be careful what you're asking for, unless you can, um, and I always just shut people down with that, unless you can tell me a list of people that you believe are going to be better owners than these people, and not just because they've got more money, but because they've got some sort of track record or you've done an actual deep dive on them. Just hush. Hush. And if you can't suggest the, better, hush. And that's not the only dilemma. The other, the other dilemma is, you know, if you want someone in with big bucks, big billionaire bucks, right? What's, you know, what's one thing they have that's as big as, you know, their pot of money? What's one thing that they have, Dave? It's not really anything rude, but what's the one thing that they have that's as big as his money? It's not a trick question. What's this one? A big eagle. There you go. And that's why you're the best person to talk with me on these things because we're fucking in sync. It's a big motherfucking ego. Mm. And when that ego comes into play, you look at... I know Bowley's probably trying to get it right now by nicking everyone from Brighton. And, and oh, he's a was good. Moron. Exactly. But he's a dickhead. And that's you don't want someone coming no. in and gutting what's and, there already. And this like, was the, my the, argument against him we're in the, the right summer. Place. Yeah. Because yeah. we saw, obviously, he went out and spent a fortune in the summer. And the the usual, you know, far whatever wing you want to look at it, real ha- hardcore, ardent FSG out, they can do no right kind of groups. Mm. We're like, we need an owner like him. And I'm looking at them thinking, what are you talking about? This guy hasn't a clue what he's doing. Hasn't a clue. So let, let's, let's just quickly look at Todd Bowley, right? Minority owner of the Dodgers, minority owner of the Lakers. Two franchises that have recklessly spent money over the last few years, in which he's not a decision maker. So he's never been the day-to-day decision maker in those franchises. He's a minority owner. Now he's going to Chelsea as the decision maker. He's going to run Mm. this club day-to-day. And... He's not the money behind it. No. Clear Lake Investments are. Yeah, Investment companies like them are only in it for one thing, and that's to make money long term. So Yeah, they'll flip it. They'll flip yeah, it. exactly. It was very obvious from day one that Bowley was going to come in, do a few big splashy things, and then try and rework the model to make Chelsea a sustainable business so they could grow the club. Because... You can go back to the 70s 
and Chelsea haven't been a sustainable club. Ken Bates bought the club in the early 80s for a pound because they were so heavily in debt in the 80s. Ken Bates sold the club on the brink of bankruptcy. When Roman paid $125 million for the club, he actually paid to buy out their debts. Then he gave Ken Bates an extra $18 million on top of it. So Chelsea have never been in the modern era, a sustainable enterprise. Never, ever. He was he was funneling in. He was losing, sorry, a million a week or something. A million a week. 50 million a year over a 20, years. 20 year period. So, like... Billion. That's we billion. didn't need... We didn't need a bowling. Because you could tell... Like, you'd hear all these things coming out of Chelsea about how he thought if he was to buy a player the player would just automatically come in on the same contract they were in on the old club. And if they had three years left on that contract, Chelsea just inherited the three years. You'd hear stories about Christian Pulisic. Bowley decided to extend his contract. Didn't tell Pulisic he was extending the contract. Just made a decision that he was going to extend Pulisic's contract. Yeah. You'd hear things like him trying to force Cristiano Ronaldo on Thomas Tuchel. How can you, how can, but, but one question, how can you extend someone's contract without them signing it? He didn't understand how things work, Gex. Oh, my God. He didn't understand how any of this worked. The man that's is not... so clueless. He's not clever. He's not See, that's, clever that at all. scares me even more, dude. That if someone like that comes in, it's well, going to be a shit show. The problem is, right, and here's the biggest difference between us and Chelsea. When Bowley walked into Chelsea, they had Marina and Peter Cech, and that was it. No other footballing structure. Nobody else. No sporting director. No. No technical director. No. No head of recruitment. Mm-mm. It was Marina and Peter Cech and nothing else, and he sacked both of them because <laughs> they were Roman loyalists. Yeah. Whoever takes over at Liverpool is going to have intelligent people already who here. can yeah who can lead them in the right way so so a question about that later but let's go to the next part what do you what kind of let's talk about what type of owner we want you know well let's let's just, we go, just, let's, just quickly, let's just quickly say on fsg's legacy right yeah 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 they've absolutely done far more good than bad yeah Far more good than bad. And even some of the the big gripes that people have had with them, take away the transfer side of things, because obviously we know that's been the biggest issue, their lack of ambition, their lack of willingness to spend. Yeah. That's been the biggest issue from a football point of view. Some of the things people have griped about them, the when they tried to hike the prices and they were introducing, was it £73 seats or whatever, Right, that was a really poor move as was furloughing or attempting to furlough the staff during the pandemic. That's really the two big dings you can throw at them because when they tried to trademark Mm. Liverpool, people missed why they tried to do it. It wasn't because they were trying to knock out the match day traders who sell badges and scarves and whatever else outside the stadium. It had nothing to do with those people. It was because Liverpool.com was being launched. And FSG knew that that website was going to draw 
mass amounts away from the club website. Yeah, massive hits. Because if you put in liverpool.com, you would expect to get the club website, and you weren't. You were getting this website run by the Liverpool Echo. Mm. So that was why they tried to trademark that. And in terms of the Super League, and I will go to my grave believing the Super League was a good idea. It was just half-baked when it came out. Yeah, it needed a tweak in. It was not ready. They didn't They didn't have plans to announce it for months. And it got leaked through Martin Ziegler in is he the Independent of the Times. And that's how it came out. And then it got rushed. And for anyone who saw the website, it literally looked like somebody had made it in like 25 minutes. Yeah. The press release looked like somebody had written it on the back of a napkin. Someone else had typed it up quickly and gotten confused by like the gravy smudge and couldn't make out what it said. They were the Super League was nowhere near ready. And obviously the immediate reaction was shock. And then Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher, caring only about their own pay packets on Sky, doing the bidding of Sky, who were annoyed because they weren't involved in the process, because they hadn't gotten to the process of meeting with potential broadcasting partners. So when Neville and Carragher went on Sky and ranted and raved at people who were in a state of shock, those people's shock turned to anger and they began to protest. They never stopped to think, well, what's this Super League actually going to be? What's it going to mean? How are they going to do it? What are they going to put in place to ensure the fairness of football? Now, we know that the the closed-door policy was something that needed tweaking for certain. But people ignored that there was going to be a lot more good ideas than bad ideas. Things as, like as, a salary cap. As, as long as what's it called came in, relegation and promotion, then it would yeah. have been all fine. Because obviously they were right in saying that you can't... Because off, off of what they did, what they announced in terms of it was a closed ship, mm. that obviously does affect grassroots. That does affect the whole of the country in terms of football. The nation is a, is a football country. There's so it many does. clubs. You know, but, but but like you said, but give it a chance. They also announced that the, if people had waited and listened to what they had to say, not FSG, the actual organisers, yeah, there was going to be mass amounts of money set aside to be pumped back through footballing pyramids in the relevant countries where the teams were going to come from for the Super League. So it would have taken care of a lot of these things, but they were never given the chance, largely because a they weren't ready. And B, because Gary Neville had a public meltdown on television. Yeah. And, you know, and, and like, oh, and remember, the good guys won. That's what they tried to make it out, mm. that, that Sky and Gary Neville and UEFA, that they were the good guys and all this. And we've seen God. all these horrendous thi- well, things we've seen UEFA, UEFA do in the Champions May. League. Well, yeah, we've seen in May what UEFA do, yeah. so... We know like, who the real good guys are. And let's not forget as well that Sky, number one, Rupert Murdoch. Number two, Sky were the ones more than happy to get in bed with the Premier League back in the early 90s as oh, a man. breakaway from yeah. the Football League. Very hypocritical. Of course it's hypocritical, but that's all it was. It came down to the fact that Sky were pissed that they weren't involved. There's no good guy in, in, in football in terms of the authorities, mate. There just isn't. There's just, <laughs> look at not, the FA. But... Look at the FA with, with Klopp today. Exactly. Uh, you know, he's banned for, like, a day, for, for, the, for the game. But it just really, really, really... The bigger stupid. point on that is, yeah, if, if we hadn't been involved in that, 
we would have got left behind. If mm. it had gone ahead without us, we'd have been left behind. Yeah. And someone else, and all of these other clubs that had a big temper tantrum about it, the greedy six, every single one of those clubs would have jumped at the chance. So Everton fans and fans of all these other small clubs, they can sit on the high horse all they want, but if they'd been given the option of taking a spot in that Super League, they'd have jumped at it. And they're all lying if they suggest otherwise. But those are kind of the four main things. And Armand mentions the NFT thing. I don't really care about that either way. But they're the four big things people always bring up against them. And two of them are quite understandable if you actually take a step back. The other two things, the ticket gouging, they gave in on straight away. And the... But I think that them giving, giving, I think the, the giving in is actually a good sign. If it was an owner with a bad ego, like we just talked about, they'll say, fuck you, mate. Go do what you want. If it you don't want to be at the club, on... you know, somebody else will come and sit in your seat. They do, though. They do, people. Of course. There, there of are course some owners that are absolute dickheads. The but fact that they listen. That FSG have always intended to sell the club. Yeah. 100%. Always. From the, day, the minute they bought it, it was bought to sell. A 10 year flip is. Ideal, to yeah. be honest. But what they them. needed to do was protect the, the value of the asset. And the asset is worth much more with a happy fan base who fill the stadium every single week. Yes. They yes. weren't going to make a huge amount off those ticket increases because it was, no. it was a small number of seats that were going to be 70-odd quid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were going to make maybe half a million a year off those ticket increases. It's minor, but isn't it, in the, in the grand scheme minuscule. of things? It's minuscule. Having a happy, settled fan base, having Anfield full every single game, that is far more valuable to them in terms well, of growing the asset. When, when you say that, growing the asset, uh, an expanded Anfield, a better training facility, you know, better players at the club, better background of course, staff, better, better manager, better commercial, better commercial stuff, yeah. you know, all of it has improved in the last 11 years. It has. The one thing I will say, people need to stop saying, oh, they, they built two new stands and they... They didn't, around. the club did. The, the club, club did. did. But, the club but, funded all that. They could have funded it. They could have funded that. And allowed Dave, the club's the funds thing. to go towards improving the on-field product. They could have funded that themselves yes. and not put any of that debt agree. onto the club. I so I'm agree. not giving them credit for it. It's well, great that they did it, but they did it for their own gain and the club paid for it, not them. Yeah, so the club is them, really. And also, they've basically got the club to that position where it can pay for itself. But I agree. Uh, th- well, that's the gripe from the start. Their own investment, whether it's transfers or stadium or anything, that's what's lacking. So we know that. And again, Armand's got that absolutely spot on. They did it because we're in Discord Live, folks. Uh, they did it to increase the valuation. You know, when they, for when they inevitably sell a stadium with 60,000 yeah. plus t- seat a stadium, uh, a little bit, you know, the, the facilities are miles better in the new stands, you know. So it's a nice place to go and watch the game as well. It, the, the hospitality is next level. It's but very, FFP very good. allows you, yeah. FFP allows owners to do all of those things without it affecting the club's FFP and profit and loss. Oh, but they won't. They won't want to put their own money in. No, that's, that's the thing. A big problem. Yeah, yeah they won't put problem. their own money in. But like the money that went to paying for to paying for that those stands and that training ground, overall, you're probably looking what two hundred million. Well, that could uh, be probably four hundred million. Four hundred million in uh, total. 
Mo, Mo, Chatter, Mo Mo's the here. Mo, Let us know. What's but, the total, yeah, for both stands and the training? How much would it be? So that's over the last, in? what, seven, eight years? Yeah, it's not that spent? bad for an investment. You know, but I it's suppose not, they, but they, if it's if it's 400 million over eight years, that's like two twenty-five million pound players every year that the team yeah. could have had. Yeah, 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 I agree. Rather I agree. than because they could have paid that money themselves. Well, that's not mad. Two forty-six million, for, according to Mo, that's not bad at all. Really. Two forty-six million, but I'm but a, again, it's still it's still a thirty million pound signing. And this is the thing. No, sorry, well, I mean it's not bad. They could they could put that in surely. I mean it doubles yeah, their investment. Exactly I know. That's the thing. When they they'd have seen that back three times the value. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and a license with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. All I've, all I've always said is nobody is asking for city-level spending. No. Nobody. Well, no, I, the lunatic fringe are asking for city-level spending, which is why they're the lunatic fringe. But all I've ever asked for is one more £30 million signing each year. You're miles better off. You're Think of the players we got in and around that £30 million. Over the last six years, it's six extra players. <laughs> yeah. It's six extra players. So it's not James Milner. Yeah. It's not Trent running to the ground. It's, it's not it's Virgil gets hurt and we've got yeah. no centre-backs left. Mm-hmm. It's not Fabinho run into the ground. It's not still rolling out the captain when he's nearly 33 and can't play football anymore. It's not running the front three into the ground. It's having quality options. We've got like five of the topics to go on here and I think we should move from this. Yeah, so, let's fly through. So what's the... What's the type of owner you want then? Who is it? I mean, that's what we should talk about now. What is it that would be best for us? Look. For Liverpool. For the, the fan base, for everyone. So taking everyone into the, the lunatic fringe, the outers, the inners. How would everyone be happy? Well, everybody would be happy if someone like Steve Ballmer bought the club. Because he brings ludicrous levels of wealth in the region of $100 billion. He brings a proven track record in sport, having owned the LA Clippers now for nigh on eight years, having spent among the highest wages in the NBA in that entire tenure. Have they been successful? I'm not. I'm not. They've NBA been fan. to one conference final, which they hadn't been to before. But he's been really ambitious in terms of the players he's gone out and gotten. If you look at, I know you're not an NBA fan, but like their roster now when healthy, is as good as anyone else has in the NBA. Injuries basically have scuppered them the last couple of years. Mm. But they have been, for for the Clippers, they have been successful. One conference finals, that is success for the Clippers, who, before Steve Ballmer, were the laughing stock of the league. And now they're seen as one of the best-run, best teams in the league. 
he has not only he spent two billion on them in 2014 when the record purchase for an NBA franchise was around 1.1. He just paid two because Donald Sterling was the owner. There was a whole big racism thing. He didn't want to sell. His wife got power of attorney. And to just force the sale through, Barmer paid well above odds, which shows the level of ambition he has. He's spent frequently on players. He's gone and gotten the players that the coaches have wanted him to go and get for them, paid the money. And he's building them a new arena because they currently share the same arena as the Lakers and the Kings, and they don't make any money off it because it belongs to the Kings. So he has decided to build his own arena out in Inglewood. The arena is going to cost him about $2 billion. But the old Lakers arena, the Forum, is also in Inglewood, and it's owned by the same guy that owns Madison Square Garden in New York, uh, Jim Dolan. And Jim Dolan objected to this new development by Barmer because it was going to take away business from him. Because one of the things Barmer was going to do was hold concerts and wrestling events and boxing matches and stuff. Because that's another way to drive revenue in your arena. Dolan thought, well, that's going to hurt my business model. So Barmer just went and bought his arena off him. He was like, here's 400 million. Go away. Your arena's worth 300. Here's 400 million. Go away. And just bought this other arena so he could go ahead and build his own arena. So that shows the single-minded nature of him, the ability to just spend whatever it is he needs to spend. So he would be the, the ideal in terms of the willingness to spend, the ability to spend. Like he makes Roman Abramovich look like a pauper. As long as he doesn't come in and want to change everything. No, and this is the thing. So when he took over at the Clippers, he largely kept the same people in charge as he kind of went through the club and figured out where things needed to change. He appointed a couple of good people. Now the Clippers have one of the best front offices in, in all of sport, and they're really, really well run. So he doesn't do things just spur of the moment. He doesn't come in and sack everybody doesn't come in and make mass changes straight away. He'll put in one or two of his own people, and then over time he'll assess everybody else. For me, the ideal would be him as part of a little uh, a little group. I've said before, the two mm-hmm. lads, the two Americans with Crystal Palace, I'd very much like them because I think I think the ideal is FSG on steroids. Yeah. So me too. The, the same type of model, but more ambitious and more spending. Again, not talking about city level spending, even though Barmer could do it. I'm just talking about when a player becomes available, we can just go and get them. Or when there's a young player out there who may or may not work out, but has this really, really high upside that we can go, you know what, we can afford to take this gamble. We can afford to spend £18 million on Enzo Fernandez and bring him in and develop him in-house. And if he works, then we're going to have our Thiago replacement. And if he doesn't, we'll sell him on and we'll get some of that money back in. Not, well, we can't spend that £18 million because if we do, then we can't do this or this. And if he flops, then we're screwed because... We can't afford to have players flop. Like, that's the type of thing I want. I like. I don't care if we don't sign Jude Bellingham. 
I don't care if we don't sign Mbappe or Haaland. I don't particularly want players at the club earning 865 grand a week. I care about us having the ability to say, Yves Basum is available, we'll take him. Matthias Nunes is available, we'll take him. We didn't get Chuameni. Well, we want Caicedo. Oh, you want 70 million to sell him now? Here's 70 million. We think he's worth 55, but here's 70. Because this is the player we want. That's what I want. I don't want us to spend 200 million, 300 million. If we do, great. I'm not going to complain about it. Mm. But all, all I want is the club to be sustainably run, smartly run, and have the ability to go and get whatever the manager needs to make the team the best it can possibly be. And the best this team can possibly be is league winners and European Cup winners. We didn't win the league in European Cup last summer, last season, because they couldn't afford to buy a midfielder in the summer of 2021. That's why we didn't win the league. That's why we didn't win the European Cup. If, we, if we'd even had one midfielder to replace Wijnaldum, or just had Wijnaldum, we'd have won the league in the European Cup. There's absolutely no way I'm accepting otherwise on that. We were the best team in the league last year, man for man and across the, 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 the campaign. We were the best team. The season before, the reason we didn't win the league the is because we had no centre-backs. We were the best team till Christmas. That was 16 games. We were the best team across the last 10 games. We lost the league in 12 Just games. Imagine, where... imagine, Dave, we get it. We've been through this so many <clears> times. <throat> imagine that season. Imagine these owners being, or, or an owner, the perfect owner, being available before the 2021, before 2021-22. We'd be looking at, I think everything would be rosy. So, like, on January 1st, with no centre-backs, we can just go and buy a centre-back. That's what we should have been able to do, not anybody. Yeah, yeah, two. You know, Botman would be here, and, like, you know, we wouldn't be giving a shit at how much it cost. And and Coletta Carr was on a plane, and he went back, you know, bullshit like that. All of We would have just tried him out and sold him the summer if it didn't work out. As I said a few weeks back, when City got an injury to America Laporte and Pep was told it's going to be about two months, they just went and dropped 15 million on a kanji. We're like, well, we don't really need him, but he'll cover for the short term, bring him in. They got a great deal on Akanji, though. But do you know what? We should be able to do things like that. Absolutely. That doesn't take billions and billions. That just takes that just takes ambition. And my argument with FSG is they've never been ambitious enough. Yeah, because the wage the next thing is the wage problem. So obviously Akanji must be on extortionate amount of money. But the point is, that's what we need to that's where we need to be. We need to be able to say We'll pay. We'll get this player out of there. We'll pay him big bucks to get him over here because we need him. And uh, uh, you know, twenty twenty one. It should have been in the summer that we got the CB. And maybe none of those injuries or, or all those things happen because we don't overplay play players, right? Yeah, we're just rotating three players the whole sum- the whole season. And then Fab Fab has dropped off mobility wise. I'm not saying. I'm just saying mobility wise. Since he got injured in that twenty twenty one season. He's not been the same since 2021. That injury has hurt him. If you look at all the pressing stats and stuff collections we've done and the amount he used to press prior to that injury in 2021 before he went to centre-back, and now it's like night and day. There's a huge change. Huge change. It's not just him. Oh, God, it's going to be around the whole squad. Henderson's been finished since that injury that season. 
Remember he got hurt against Everton, tore whatever muscle it was, mm. and missed mm. four months? He he has been an absolute shit show since then. He'd been poor for about a year to that point since the injury in the title-winning season. His legs were starting to go. He'd become hesitant in, to, to go into challenges. When that injury happened, like he has been... He's barely a Premier League player now. He is the odd good game. But you can't you can't tell me three good games Henderson had in a row since February 2020. You just can't go through them. You can't find three three good games in a row. No. And again, that that injury in 2021, the second one, the whatever muscular injury was, that was because he's been forced to play at centre back. Like it wasn't his fault. He was awful. But it wasn't his fault. He's not a centre-back. We should have been able to go out on that day and get on the 1st of January and get a centre-back in the door. Like, that should have been the case. FSG, they're so risk-averse. They won't spend money unless it's absolutely necessary. And the thing is, because of the way Klopp is, where publicly he'll never criticise, they have the ideal manager. Because... Even this past summer, guys, we know there was money available. We know he turned down the chance to sign multiple midfielders. Multiple midfielders. But yeah, no one's wanted, willing... He, they wanted one. He wanted... He, he wanted, wanted Bellingham. Yeah, and that's it. And it was like... But the idea I'm, that Bellingham was the alternative to Chiuameni is it's nonsensical. Crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's like, basically, he has a choice of these players. So there's no one on Chiuameni's level at the moment available. Maybe there will be next summer. But what he wanted was, I want Chiuameni and Bellingham. And it was one season after the other, it's supposed yeah. to be, right? But, so, he goes, well, if I can't get him, I want him. And then, when they go to get him, and they spend the whole summer trying to get him, it's like £120 million. And they're like, well, we, we, we only got, we're 40 million short, man. We don't have that much. You know, we, we can afford it because we're going to go for two, but we don't have 120 million. So we sell, we sell a few players as well. So we've got the money. We bought Nunez. Still, we've got the money. But the, the point is, why don't you, why don't you pivot? Mm. You can come back to Bellingham, Bellingham next year if you're so next confident. Year. That's the thing. That's you're going to make the, the same amount of money. Been. There was so you're much profit. You still this need year. your two many. You yeah. wanted Bellingham and Chiuameni. You didn't get Chiuameni, so you need to find the Chiuameni alternative and leave Bellingham till next year. But the great thing for FSG is they know that Klopp won't get criticised. Klopp can say whatever he wants and the fan base won't turn on him. So FSG can just kind of sit behind him and say, you know, and it's known that it was, it was on him. And see, if it was another owner that could spend the 120, they would spend it there and then. Of course you know they would have. So, 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 so that's the point where we are with this ownership and where what we want. So we've answered the question as to what we want. What do not? What do we not want, Dave? We don't. We don't want another hedge fund. We don't want another risk averse. What about prof- a state profiteer? No. Well, <sighs> no, no to a state. Definitely no to a state. From my point of view. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want a state either. I I, I just and I, and this this is not anything to do with it being Dubai or Qatar or Saudi Arabia. I wouldn't want any country. No country should own a football club. No, like I'd be even more outraged if it was the idea of America buying the club or, 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 or imagine or King, King Charles. Charles. <laughs> King Charles just turns around and goes, "You know what we'll do today, William." <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what we'll do Follow today? Order, now, yeah. that, now that we've thrown Harry out of the family because he's not actually a royal, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take his inheritance that we were going to give him, but since he's not a royal, he's not getting it. We're going to take that money. We're going to go buy Liverpool. Like, that would be much worse. Yeah, but imagine the imagine the, the response. Imagine, imagine Anfield booing the national anthem while that prick is sat in the director's box. Like... No, don't want the state. Don't want the state. Oh, and dear. don't want... I don't want another okay. FSG unless no, no. they've got significantly more money behind them and significantly let's, more ambition. Let's quickly talk about why as well. I mean, we've forgotten about the why. FSG know they can't compete anymore. It's simple yeah. as that. You know, they, they can see FFP's gone off the, gone the out whole the thing was FSG. Newcastle have spent $200 million this year. Two hundred million. Guys, to, West Ham spent one hundred and sixty million in the summer. Exactly. It's West crazy. Ham. Oh, Europa League money. They are handcuffed by by the 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 refusal to put their own money in. They're handcuffed by it. They are so adamant that they don't want to spend their own money. They're willing to sell. Now, what I'm hoping, Dave, is that it's not willing to sell to anyone. And obviously, Tony Evans has said. You know that um, you know John Henry had said to him back in 2015 that the one last thing that he would want is Liverpool fans on his case for the rest of his life. Yeah, because you know? they people haunted David Moores. Yeah, like David Moores has never gotten over the fact that he sold the club to Hicks and Gillette. He's never been allowed to forget that he sold the club to those scumbags. So I can understand it with John Henry, and I do think Tony's right. I do think like FSG. Remember, FSG isn't just an ownership group. FSG is a brand. It's a multi-sport brand that they want to sell parts of. And probably eventually, when Henry's old and, you know, the last marble is rolling around up there, he'll want to sell the whole job lot. And the best way for him to do that is to protect the reputation of Fenway Sports Group and what they represent. They didn't get the Redbird investment because they're a bunch of shitheads. They got it because they were a respected group of sports owners who have done, like I said, far more good than bad with Liverpool. Far more good than bad. Can I just say, you mentioned David Moyes. I'm so glad, though, that he did get to see Liverpool win um, another Champions League and a yes. Premier League title before he passed away this year, which he did pass away in in July. So rest rest in peace. And and you know that was that. Was, so he didn't. He kind of knew that in the end it worked out for what he did. But obviously that that two years or three years after he sold, it must have been hell for him. You know. Yeah, of course. Hell for him. So yeah, I get you. And I, and I suppose John Henry is probably thinking, well, I I don't want that. I don't want that. I'm no, like, and, and the, the difference problem... is he doesn't live here. That's the difference. No, but. But what you're also seeing is you're seeing you're seeing a lot of Liverpool fans try and use the Red Sox as another stick to beat FSG with. And it's, mm. you know, I would beg and plead with people who don't watch baseball and don't follow Major League Baseball to just not talk about it because you're probably going to end up coming off as a bit of a muppet. So people have used FSG and the the current discontent uh, from the Red Sox fans to hammer FSG and, you know, the lack of spending and things like that. Well, there's a couple of things here. Number one, Boston sports fans 
are the single most entitled group of people anywhere in the world. They're ridiculous. The Patriots won six Super Bowls. They're not likely to win any in the next couple of years. And they're cry-arsing. You've seen six in 20 years. Shut up. The Red Sox, since John Henry bought the Red Sox, Sorry. The, they have won more World Series, four, four, than anybody else. They've won four. One team has won three, the San Francisco Giants. The Houston Astros have won two. And if I'm not mistaken, nobody else has won more than one. The since, big spending since, since 2001. Right. So in 21, 22 years, the Yankees have won one. Simon Brundish's beloved Yankees, despite spending ridiculous amounts of money, won Super Bowl. The LA Dodgers spend money like it's going out of fashion. One Super Bowl, not Super Bowl, one World Series. One World Series. The Houston Astros, two. The Giants, three. And the Red Sox, four. Now, bear in mind that before John Henry took over, the Red Sox hadn't won a World Series since 1912. It had been 95 years without a World Series. John Henry has given them four. And they're still crying. In the 95 years in which they didn't win the World Series, they only got to three World Series and lost them. So they've had more appearances and more success since he took over than they had in the previous 95, 100, 120 years. Like, the guy has done brilliant work there. Baseball is cyclical. Teams go worst to first and first to worst all the time. The nature of the sport allows you to bottom out, reload, build back up. Like the Houston Astros, for example, were laughing stock for years. They bottomed out, got rid of everybody, cleared their salary cap, invested in young draft picks, and built a team, won a World Series in 2017, maybe? No, twenty, yeah, 2017. Red Sox won it in 2018. And won it again this year by being smart and making smart decisions. John Henry will get things right with Boston again. They've recently bought the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is how they used the Redbird investment. That's going quite well. Uh, they want, like, they have a track record of, of doing well. Nobody could argue they haven't done incredibly well with the Red Sox. Nobody can argue they haven't done well with us. They, of course they have. They took us... From We were managed by Roy Hodgson. Roy Hodgson was our manager. And a decade later, we won the Premier League. Now, I get that it's one title in 12 years and one Champions League in 12 years. And that, to me, is an issue. It should have been more. But still, in 10 years, they took us from Roy Hodgson and the probably the lowest point any of us have experienced as Liverpool fans with you know the fucking war that was going on before that between the fans, the owners, the manager, and everything else. From there to a Champions League and title in ten years, I mean, you're going to take that. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point to segue. I think the the point about war 
I think what's what's realistic from where we are right now, um, because everything I see online, everything I hear, um, you know, you hear a few you you hear a few things about these uh, U.S. Um, you know bids and stuff, uh, but there's more about state bids than there is, you know, the names that are coming out. There's way more leaning towards that type of bid at the moment. Um, so what, what, I mean, the problem is you have to, you have to be realistic. You have to think about the price. Okay. It's, yeah. it's nearly 5 billion, maybe 4 billion to 5 billion pounds or dollars, whichever way you I mean. There's not too much difference nowadays. There's but, very little difference. Now, yeah, yeah. So that, so when you, and that's why it's probably a bit more attractive, right? So if you think about it, what, I mean, what's realistic? Who can afford that? You know, apart from a bomber, right? Who's, Let's say, you know, he's not as interested or we, we haven't heard anything from him directly or we haven't, he probably can't actually, he's probably in an NDA, but just the thing's getting leaked. But I just think who, who could afford that and then afford to do more? There's very know? few people. There's yeah, very, it's, very it's few scary. people. This is where the scary part comes. Yeah, this is where you could end up with someone like Stephen Paliuka and Bain Capital who bought 55% of Atalanta who has a track record of uh, ruining assets. Mm. Um, you could end up with someone like him. He is notoriously cheap, and if he he would not be a deal at all. Um, I don't think anybody's been too impressed by his uh, ownership of Atalanta so far. You could end up with someone like the Wrigley family who own the um, Chicago Cubs. They come with their own set of problems. Number one, they're quite cheap as well. Number two, they are basically a, a, an FSG ripoff when they wanted to end the, the curse of the Cubs and, and win their first World Series, I think it was in 108 years. They appointed Theo Epstein, who'd been the brainchild behind the Red Sox rise to success. He was one of the people that John Henry was very impressed with, appointed him as I think the youngest general manager in Major League Baseball at the time. And he, you know, oversaw the first two World Series and then the Cubs paid a fortune to get him and he oversaw their World Series. And after that, they got cheap because they'd won one and they didn't see any need to win another one, which yeah. is a little bit like FSG. They, we won a league title in the Champions League. What more do you want? We're not going to spend fuck all. Um, there's also the fact that the patriarch of the Wrigley family has made some horrendously racist comments in the past and doesn't seem like an altogether nice fella. Well, this so is the other thing, right? Don't want him. Um, there's the possibility, and I, I floated this one, of, of a, a consortium led by uh, Harrison Blitzer, who own uh, a chunk of Crystal Palace. David Blitzer owns six football clubs. Um, they own together the New York Devils and the sorry the New Jersey Devils in ice hockey and the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA. Uh, they have shown an ambitious nature in how they operate, certainly with the 76ers. I don't really pay attention to how they're running their clubs. But with the 76ers, certainly very ambitious, willing to spend willing to make the big trades and, and you know, go all in to win. Um, so they don't have the money to do it themselves, so they'd need, a, you know, they'd need backing behind them. Uh, but I certainly think 
when you look at what they've done at Crystal Palace with the massive improvement in their recruitment policy, with the complete change of direction of the club from appointing every rolling gammon you could imagine, from Warnock to Pulis to Sam to Pardew to, uh, to Hodgson, to then going for a more continental manager and a continental structure at the club, uh, the huge improvement in the academy, which they were one of the driving forces behind. I think when you look at what they've done and how they've gone about their business, they are an FSG type of organization, but I think they're more ambitious than FSG. Uh, so I, you know, I, I've said that the ideal for me would be them and Balmer. You get their kind of existing connections in the Premier League and the footballing world, plus the multi-club model they can bring to us. They've got a club in Denmark, a club in the Netherlands. Um, they've got they own Real Salt Lake in the MLS. Um, let me see, David Blitzer. What other clubs does he own? He owns uh, Bronby, Crystal Palace, Augsburg, so you get a Bundesliga club. So this is someone you would want, though. I'm focusing on someone who you won't, who, who's going to be bad for us. So, what, no, is... what, what I'm saying is, like, this is the, the, the thing is, there's, there's so many people that are against another American owner oh, yeah, who, no, who no, isn't no. mega rich. And oh, right, what I'm okay. saying is, yeah, we don't want... We don't want Paluca, we don't want um, Wrigley, but let's not rule them all out, even if they don't have Balmer. Let's not rule these lads out. Who else wouldn't you want? You don't, you don't want That's anyone. That's you want, a consortium type of thing, because at the end of the day, if there's three or four of them that have got mm. five billion each, then they're kind of putting one in each, right, to buy exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. then it's I, okay to fund. But if you're, if you're asking one guy to buy the club for five billion, that's that's a four billion, five billion. That's a lot of money, man. And there's not many people out there that can afford it and no, then run it, you know? You've got, you've got Balmer. Larry Ellison has, for many years, been linked with moves to buy sports franchises in America. And he, his name has been very loosely, very, very loosely floated. But Larry Ellison is 78. Is he really going to want the hassle of running an English football club? So, you know, you've got to factor that in as well. And, and if, if he were to buy the club and maybe do what, um, the Glazers, what happened with the Glazers, where the, the Suns end up taking it over. Like, what are the sons like? I don't know a whole lot about David Ellison and what David Ellison and what he might be like. Um, others that you wouldn't want outside of uh, Paluca and Wrigley. You don't want anyone like them with their sort of track record of being cheap and you know either either in the business world or in the sporting world. You don't want anyone who's ever ordered the murder of somebody. I think that's a, a fair line to draw on the sand. Uh, you don't want anyone who's, you know, had journalists chopped up and put in barrels. Uh, hello, Newcastle fans, if you're listening. You don't want those type of people at your football club. But aside from that and nations, I'm so, good. Like, uh, So we, we missed one, which um, Armand's put in there. Mukesh Ambani from India. Uh, Reliance and Mumbai Indians. 
uh, in the IPL, so has some franchise history, and they're the mm. most successful team in IP- IPL as well. Yeah, no, I'm o- um, I'm open to him because he's so that's got all ninety the billion. Money. He's got ninety billion. Yeah, so he's he's loaded. Now, I mean, again, <clears throat> I don't know if he's done anything in India that pisses people off or whatever, but I know his brother's a bit of a twat. But um, yeah, I, I, again, that's where that's where the the next question goes to, uh, Dave. Where do you draw the line? You know, um, there's a big morality uh, conversation to be had at this point. Mm. Um, a lot of people, like you said, there's lunatics out there who, you know. But uh, to be fr- to be honest, actually, you know what? I'm not going to say that. I take that back. There aren't lunatics out there. There's people with different opinions. And I'm going to respect those opinions. And some of them are lunatics. Yeah, yeah. No, (laughs) no, but I'm not going to judge people. The point is that everyone has a different opinion on this. And it's basically where you draw the line and where your morality morality lies, okay? And maybe some people are younger and they don't care about certain things. Um, You know, we're here to try and educate and discuss those things and maybe put those across. And, like, from my point of view, it would be very difficult to follow a club that has dirty money, it'd be very difficult to follow a club. I mean, especially after we spent 10 years, you know, taking the piss out of Man City. But, you know, look at the, their fans. You know, they don't seem to mind it. They go to every game or else the, the stadium's not that full. Do they? So maybe, maybe, do maybe, they maybe, maybe people <laughs> do mind it, yeah. So maybe there are people. We don't hear from them that much, though. That's the thing. Um, the, you know, I mean, I, it's going to be... If something like that does happen... I think war's afoot because I've so many times thought about what would I do with Anfield Index, you know, just say something like that happens. <clears throat> but the but 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 the interesting thing is Anfield Index is is covering a football club, right? It's mm. not funded by it. Also, Anfield Index has livelihoods at stake on it. Okay, so there's people working on it that um you know, that that's their life. So Whoa. from my point of view Anfield Index has to continue, no matter what. And um, it would probably become a, a, a very negative outlook of the club in terms of the ownership. But it would still cover the football club. Now, people might hate that. And there might be people that work here that might not want to work here anymore and, and give up their livelihood because of their morals. Fair enough. Fair, fair enough. Like, like I said, there's a respect line here where mm. I respect people's opinion on this because it's a very difficult topic and it's a very real thing and where on the other end of the scale we've got subscribers come in and say i don't care you know on on discord i don't care i i want liverpool to succeed i want liverpool to beat everyone i want liverpool to win okay then on the other side there's people who are like, i'm going to turn my back on this club if that happens i'm not going anywhere near it i'm not going to attend games i think it's very easy for people to say I'd turn my back on the club as a hypothetical situation. I think when it came down to the reality of it, I don't think they would. You can support the club and hate the owners. We've had that before. You can find distaste in the owners, but it'd be very toxic though. It'd be very toxic though. Would it though? Would it though? It's toxic now. It's toxic now because we're not winning. Two years ago, it wasn't toxic, gags. Mm. And the same people disliked FSG in 2019 and 2020 as disliked them now. 
See, it'll go opposite from FSG outers. All them would probably be happy because of the money, and then the other people were the ones that were happy with FSG would probably now be against. It'd just be a flip flop. Well, here's 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 what gets me right now. I'm, I'm not to call the fellow out by name, but Paul Machen went on Gary Neville's The Overlap and appointed himself as the voice of Liverpool's fans and said that it needs to be owners that align with the beliefs of the club and the city. In what fucking universe do American capitalists who've used our club as a cash cow align with the views of the city and the fans and the club and all the rest? You're drawing a moral line. These people are drawing a moral line that doesn't really exist. They're preaching about something purely because we had a little bit of success. If we yeah, FS, won FSG that have 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 funded governments and wars. Yes, yeah. like let's well. not forget. Yeah. Let's not forget that two of our major commercial partners are AXA, yeah, and Standard Chartered, yeah, both of whom I've got very are, dodgy are atrocious, yeah. atrocious companies, and we so still wear. Not, yeah, of course they do. Of course they do. They someone else, the standard someone else Kamal, Kamal on um, Discord pointed out Nike, you know Adidas, all yeah. these things. There's Adidas have got some racism stuff in the background in the in the past. Uh, a little bit of Nazism is what they have in the background. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you got um, you got Nike have done some Nike go, with know, their sweatshops, like human, human rights. Apple, Samsung, you know anything Microsoft, that you, even with Bomber, Microsoft, Microsoft in China, anything that you are touching on your day to day. This is why I said this discussion is so important because it's about a line that you wish to draw, and it's a personal line and an in an individual line that you have to draw because either you're Mister, you know, morality. I'm not having a go at anyone, by the way. Not at all. Or you're not. And I mean, that's my view. But anybody else could say, okay, I have a line and it's, it's, I'm okay with, with taking, wearing Nike and Adidas and using Apple and Samsung because I can't live without it. My job's Microsoft and I can't, and I can't do my job without Microsoft and Apple products. But then I'm not supporting this football club at all. The one that I've loved for 35 years as part of my life and I, and literally live and breathe it. I live and breathe it. I yeah. live and breathe. I, my mood. My mental health, I take myself away from podcasting, from being involved in, in on Twitter because I know it's going to destroy my mental health, talking about it negatively. It's, it's, I, I can't function as a person when it's overly negative because, Dave, we live it. Guys, we live me, it. And you, me and you are, are, are older in, in the online Liverpool fan base, right? Let's just put it that way. You're you're obviously much older. Um, <laughs> no, look, we we the two of us have seen four different owners of Liverpool Football Club in our lives. Yeah, owners will come and go. Mm. Owners will come and go. The club is the club, and the club is our club, regardless of who owns it and who funds it. They're only custodians, and I hate using that word because it's a word that Hicks and Gillette used, but it is what they are. They're custodians of the football club. Their job is to protect the football club, to grow the football club, and to do what's in the best interest of the football club. So owners will come and go. The difference between us, if we got bought out by a nation state or whatever, um, and say City and Newcastle is, number one, we already have incredible history and recent success. My God, yeah. And number two, we have a much bigger global fan base. The reason 
that Saudi Arabia went for Newcastle and Abu Dhabi went for City is because they're number one, they're smaller clubs. Number two, they had had no success in 50 years. Like when, when a fan base has seen more relegations than trophies, it's going to be fairly easy to sports wash that group of people. It will be much harder with us because we've got much higher standards and much higher demands for what our club represents. But, like I said, it's it's much easier for people to say, well, I wouldn't support the club anymore when it's a hypothetical. If Dubai bought Liverpool tomorrow, I think those people would go very quiet. I think they'd hold their nose and they'd just get on with it. They'd just grin and bear it and continue to support the club. I don't believe for one second they'd turn their back on the club. I think it's just easy to say. It's easy to take the moral high ground. It's easy to preach from a pulpit when nobody's elected you to stand there. But when you have to stand there and convince people that you're the right person for the job and that you belong where you belong, then it becomes much harder. So, yeah, there might be a small percentage of the fan base, like less than 1% that gets turned off by them. There might be some dissenting voices, but you watch how quickly those dissenting voices hush when success comes. Well, this is what I was going to say. Imagine if, you know, somebody comes in and then all of a sudden, I'm talking about myself only here, right? Comes in and all of a sudden you bought in Mbappe and you bought in the next big centre back and you bought in Bellingham and some, and Rice and someone else or whatever, right? Whoever you bought in. And all of a sudden Liverpool slapping everyone in the league next year. Are you telling me you're not going to, something not going to drag you towards that team on the pitch that's winning, you know, because <laughs> if you've loved something for 40 years, it's going to end up dragging you in. I yeah. know personally that I'm going to end up watching and I'm going to end up being like, what holy I, crap. What I is, will say is there, there but, might but, be some match-going Reds that will give up their season tickets. That's what I, might happen. But they won't, they won't turn. They, they might say, I'm not going to financially support this club anymore. But they're still going to sit at home and watch. I know 100% where people have said to me they will literally not look back. They'll leave it. And, not and I don't believe one of them, Gags. I don't believe them. I do. I do believe them. I don't. I do you know why I don't believe them? Do it now. Walk well, why away. Would they, why would they do it Walk now? Walk away. If there's a moral line in the sand, is AXA not enough of a line in the sand in the supportment of apartheid in Israel? Yeah, very true. Is, is the murderous regimes that Standard Charter have been in bed with not enough to make you walk away? How about all them sweatshops in Bangladesh that Nike run? How about those child labour law violations? They're human rights abuses as well. No, no one's clean, man. No one's clean. So fucking walk away. On you go, on your bike. Don't let the door hit you in the arse. They won't do it. It's easy to say when it's not a real thing. Anybody can say it when it's not a real thing. But it's yeah, it's it. going to be tough. I I just don't want anyone. I just hope you know. I, I mean, this is the thing. This is why I, I say it'd be tough. But I don't know what's going to happen. I just don't. It's. Uh, I really hope we don't face that. I'll be honest with you. 
I really hope we don't face that because I think it will be war. What I would say, what I would say to the people that you know want to say, "Oh, well, we'd walk away." Your support of the club, right, is far more important under ownership that you don't like than it is under ownership that you do like. I completely agree. You because fight you, yeah. yes, because you become what you want to be anyway, which is the moral compass which keeps the owners in check. Now I know the fan base and the fan base and the fan base. A reminder the every whole day. Fan base. You're 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 supporting this. You're supporting this. The whole and, fan base becomes responsible when yeah. there's bad owners. When Hicks and Gillette were in charge, the whole fan base became responsible for trying to secure the future. Now in the end, it made fuck all difference. It took the banks coming in and taking the club off them. But that's not going to be the case with Middle Eastern dictatorships they're going to have loads of money so the banks aren't going to be at play but you become so much more important for ensuring that this club remains true to itself regardless of the owners that the club remains true to itself that the club and the fan base continue to be what they've always been continue to have the same moral standards the owners don't set the the moral standards of the club we do Yeah, We do. We drive the direction of this club one way or another. And one of the reasons that Fenway Sports Group are selling is because they know they can't compete and they know that this fan base won't... Some will, again, some will. Some will stand by and say, you know, it's fine. We have, you know, just fucking enjoy it and all the rest of that shit. But this fan base... Give me another example. So the majority won't stand by and accept seventh. <laughs> no, they won't. And I'll give you another example. Abu Dhabi have Abu Dhabi is how we say it, is have literally bought Manchester. Literally, like yeah. they've 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 re, that area they've reinvigorated it. You're telling me, right, that if some state came in and started to rebuild parts, of the, I'm telling you now, the council, the mayor, and all that, they'd just be they'd, whoever would be in charge in Liverpool at that point. They'd be paid off. Yeah, but I don't blame them. If you're a Liverpoolian and you have watched your they city... Jobs. They'll start creating jobs. Slowly, everyone will get paid off. It's if just, yeah, it's just if a you, natural way of... I mean, it's horrible to say. If you're a local fan and you have watched over the last 40, 50 years the Tories attempt to destroy your city, to leave your city to die, if you've watched... Rampant unemployment, if you're watching the latest, you know, food shortages, childhood poverty, real crises. Let's remember, football is a game. That's all it is. Life is life. Far more important things happen every single day than a game of football. There are children in the city of Liverpool today who are going to go without a meal. That's far more important than whether we get three points this afternoon or not. If you live in the city of Liverpool and you see somebody who walks in and immediately starts creating jobs, building new developments, creating housing, creating opportunity, making sure that no child goes hungry, which is what is happening in parts of Manchester under Abu Dhabi. 
I don't blame those people in Manchester who have gone, you know what? I'm okay with this because it goes beyond my football club. They're helping my city. They're helping my people. They're helping me and my family. And I think if the same thing happened in Liverpool, I think a lot of people would be like, you know what? The football club is is just a football club. Yeah, and I'm vomiting my mouth a little bit saying that, to be honest, as well, because it's the last thing I... Not that I don't want somebody to come and you know, help the city. I just don't want them to do it, if that makes sense. No, and uh, I, 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 I look, just... nobody wants us to be stay-at-home. Let's, at the end of the day, nobody wants us to be stay-at-home. But if we were, it's not like it'll be forever. I think it might be. Uh, who buys it then after that, you know? I just don't see anybody buying it from Man City now or from Paris Saint-Germain, for example. I don't see Newcastle. Just they will have anyone. different owners. They will have different owners by the time, like by the time we have more grey hair than we do already. Eventually, they will just sell up and go and do something else. The I don't know the the fun of it will go out of it for who them. Will, or who can afford it, Dave? Who will be able to afford it? You know, let's remember, like with with here's the other thing, right? I've seen a few people say... There you go with them, man. That's right. You'd have to wait for the UK government to turn on them. Yeah, that's, yeah. Well, that's, that is the thing. Or, or that the oil industry shutters and is over. And all of a sudden, they don't have as much spare cash. And they start calling back in their own money from overseas investments. Like, let's remember, all of those countries are held up by one industry. And if that industry goes belly up then the money goes away so you know there is there is that factor as well but you know you look at people are saying buying FA, buying liverpool for 4 billion you'll never make profit on it and it makes me laugh like it makes me laugh hysterically you're telling me that a club that raised in value by 3.7 billion over the last 12 years has topped out you're telling me that with tv revenue set to increase champions league revenue set to increase commercial revenue always able to increase that the valuation won't go up that's absolute horseshit simple economics the value of liverpool in 10 to 12 years will be 6 to 7 billion because the club isn't going backwards the club is getting bigger the TV revenue is going to explode even further than it has before this is not a bubble that's going to burst it is going to get bigger and bigger sports franchises across the world are raising in value when Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers for 2 billion in 2014 it was ludicrous. Two billion is now the standard purchase price for a small market NBA team, let alone a team in Los Angeles. The mm. Phoenix Suns are currently for sale for four billion. Yeah, I get you. I think I think if someone, say Obama came in, let's let's go with the the right, um, you know, or at least I don't know enough about him to say he's right or wrong. But say the right guy comes in, say Mbani comes in, whatever ninety billion are worth. 
they come in and they're able to as soon as they're working on this club and they've got the connections they've got you know they'll they'll have more they made their money somehow right they'll have better commercial yeah. uh links to Wouldn't them we whatever look great with microsoft across the front of jersey <laughs> yeah exactly if they're spending if they if that comes in at 100 200 million a year we'll take it yeah. you know and and all of a sudden the club is valued much higher because of the commercial and as ali gains, points got, out you yeah. go and you win a couple of champions leagues a couple of league titles what have we seen each time we've won something major it just goes commercial up. revenue goes up it goes through the roof. So the value goes up. Like, th- th- this is not the end game. Like, it's th- the club is going to be worth lots more money in 10 years than it is now because it's worth lots more now than it was 10 years ago. And that's why, Dave, their biggest job, their biggest job and their most difficult job, FSG I'm talking about, before they leave, this is going to be their biggest, biggest and most important decision more than anything else they've done in their 11 years is who they sell to. And that's that's the crazy thing about it, is that whoever they sell to is now the single most important decision of their era for me. Because it's either going to make mm. us as a fan base, or, or it's going to break us. Or we're camping up outside Fenway fucking park and demanding that John Henry come out. Yeah, and, and, and face us Boston. the coward. We all go to Boston. That's it. <laughs> it's uh, face us the coward. Can I... Where's the where's the where's the where's the Qatar money, John? Where's the Qatar money, you fucking coward? You. Um, just just. Okay, a I'm not of... even joking about that. I feel sick to my stomach if that, if that does happen. But I don't it's... think it will because I I think look, Tony Evans says, or oh, John Henry told me this seven years ago, right? Mm. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. There's not a hope in hell the last time Tony Evans spoke to John Henry was seven years ago. You don't have a relationship. Tony Evans, in the first five years of FSG's ownership, was the most ardent critic of FSG's ownership in the national media. Tony Evans hammered them every opportunity he had. He picked on every single mistake they made. Every one of them. When me and Carol Matchett used to run the Liverpool Word, we did a round table and part of it was on the owners. And Tony Evans was part of that round table debate that we had. And he hammered them, absolutely hammered them. And he had a good relationship with John Henry while criticising them. He hasn't been as critical in the last oh, no. seven of years because he hasn't success. needed to be. Yeah, the success spoke, spoke. But there's no way the relationship just disintegrated to nothing over that time. 
Oh, I completely. So agree. if Tony's saying John Henry told me this seven years ago, he probably reaffirmed it to him about seven months ago that our legacy is important. I don't want Liverpool fans to haunt me for the rest of my life. So, like, if it was an Arab businessman, right? That's different, right? Someone, of course, it is. Yeah. yeah. If he's a non-murdery, non-dictator, um, of course it is. Then he's no different than Steve Bond. Diverse, uh, uh, yeah, know, a nice diverse diversity. portfolio. Yeah, but you know, fifty billion behind him, he's <laughs> he's got to have the yeah. Cash. We're kind of looking at. We need someone who's like. 20 billion plus, please. You've got, you've, no, we're, we're not, like... Oh. It would be nice to have a clean... Well, it's impossible to be there's clean. There's no clean billionaire. So, there's no clean billionaire. It'd be and nice there's no to socialist have someone, billionaire either. No, there's no socialist billionaire. There can't be. So that, Bar George to get, Soros, maybe. So to get someone like FSG in with with multi-multi-billions behind them that can, they can spend... It would be really nice to take Look, it to City, Dave. In many it would be ways, really nice to take it to City yeah. with an equal foot. I mean, uh, it's the thing. We've, we, I said this on post, post your scouted. It wasn't recorded, but we said post scouted. How many times have we as a red? And this, I'm speaking about every red. And if you're not, then I don't know how crazy you are about this club. But before you've gone to bed, you're thinking, wouldn't it be just nice to just money be no object for once? And I'm not condoning any different type of owner or you know i'm saying you know as legit as possible but going to sleep thinking we're gonna fucking buy that player we're gonna go buy that player we're gonna get that and then we're not even willing to buy it. it we we can like when mbappe comes up again and we know we've spoken to him the last two times that he's been a bit but his mom wants us to go, wants, wants him to yeah to us. but it's not it's never been a realistic option since like no. maybe when he was 15 or 16 it was but when he was leaving Monaco, he was too expensive. When he was uh, a free agent or uh, about to become a free agent in the summer, the wage demands are too much. And we all, all of us that are logical human beings with, you know, functioning brains and stuff, we, we all knew we're not getting Mbappe because, like, it was nice to laugh about it. And we, we laughed about it on podcasts and stuff. Uh, but we all knew realistically we're not getting Mbappe because the wages are going to be disgusting. I never thought the wages were going to be that high though. This oh, well, is, no, this they is, don't know what they are. This is <laughs> stupid. They are is, this yeah, is, no, oh, they are. The reality is different, but I never expected it to be something like that. But like you said, if you bring in someone like, you know, who's got 50, 60 billion sitting there, money's no object to them. No. They'll be like, fuck this, no. you know, like a Roman. At that point, everybody was okay with Roman. Nobody said anything about Roman. You know what I mean? You know what? It, it's funny. That it, it's funny with FSG because the moment I knew that they weren't, um, the the moment I knew that uh, that it was time for them to look at selling up was the summer we won the European Cup. Yep, 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 yep. You said it at that time. Yeah, we we won the European Cup. We should have won the league. We were undeniably the best team in Europe. In the world, at that point. In the world. Uh, and we Those had a three real years, opportunity. That three years, next three years was unbelievable from us. But we had a real opportunity. Summer 2019, real opportunity to just put our foot in the neck of European football and say, you know what? This is ours now for the next few years. You can all sit back down. Just imagine, Dave, buying And we spent somewhere. four million 
Yeah, that summer, buying the summer after, buying the summer after. The last three summers, if we'd literally spent 100 million each time and put wages in, some funding in, right? Imagine how much we'd have won over that three, four years. Yeah. You know, there would have been multiple leagues, multiple Champions Leagues. Yeah. You know, the quad would have happened last year. I mean, imagine that quad last year. Yeah. Do you know? uh, The verge of a fucking quad. Look where we are now, man. That's the thing. But it was disgusting, funny at the you time, know. I got I got plenty of abuse for saying that because just fucking enjoy it. And well, we've just won the European Cup. But if you remember back in the summer of 2014, we just finished second, and I told you Rogers is not the right man because he went and bought Lovren, Lalana, and Lambert, and I just knew he was an idiot. <laughs> so it is funny. Sometimes you get at the highest of highs or the near highest of highs, you get these moments where you just think, as good as it is, like they, how this would is, anyone this think is as good Lallana, as Lambert and all these signings were were a, a step up? Yeah, when we were losing Luis Suarez, who carried us to that, that thing. But it's funny, like, you just have those moments where you think, this is as good as it's going to get under these people with be it rogers be it be it the uh the ownership and in, for me that moment was the summer of 2019 mm. we're never going to be better than this because they're not going to allow it they're not going to spend the money and let's let's all be really honest here like their legacy centers around we won a, a champions league in a year and a, and a league title right that is their legacy to us mm. those two things happened by complete fluke, by complete another fluke, because if PSG don't buy Neymar, Barca don't want Phil, and aren't flush with cash. Dave, but okay, I I, I get it, the retro thing, but the no, point yeah. is for you, Phil, Phil they but, bought for eight but, million. Nobody thought when we bought Phil he was going to but, be a hundred million pound player. You can only react to that what only happens. Funded the European Cup winning team. You can only no, react you can't. Is he can plan things properly? Oh yeah, you can. But that no, point, that's they, they, they reacted the to that and it worked out. It worked. It did out. by fluke. It worked out, man. But it was a fluke. So they planned to buy it was Virgil. A fluke. It wasn't their plan, Ali, guys. It was. It's on their. They, they had planned to buy Virgil. And, no, they didn't plan to buy Ali. They didn't plan to buy Ali. They planned to buy Jack fucking Butland. And they, That's who and they were they pivoted, buying. They pivoted Jack to Ali. Butland, the deal was done. So they still pivoted to Ali. Because though. they got money for Phil. So Because they got so, money for Phil. Yeah, so if they have money, so they have the fluke, right. They fell on their feet. No, no, no. But they would never I have funded know. that money. They would, no, no, they wouldn't have funded it. That's fluke. right. Pure I know. I, I get the... No, I they get never would have spent that money. So we I don't get win the European wouldn't... Cup with Jack Bolton. So, hold on, hold on. So they don't fund it. I get it. They wouldn't fund it with their own money. I get it. But if they had the money, they had the scouting ready to go for it. Right? So that's the difference. They had the scouting ready to go for the right players, but they were all always out of, out of reach, right? Because they don't have the money. So now, if we did get somebody in, with what we've got, with the base we've got, with the people we've got, the club, with the people that look for players, it doesn't, the money would be no object, right? We have to go buy anyone we want. So that's planning, right? The problem is they just never, like you said, rightly at the start of the pod, the biggest problem with FSG has always been they just don't put 
their own money in. Had they had the balls and they put their own money in, Ali would have would have definitely been bought anyway because they would have you know he's scoured and his obviously his price point was too high. I know, but they never would have done that. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm 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 saying Ali would be playing for Chelsea. I'm saying if right, if they did have the money, if so. My point is. What we're yeah, trying to what we're trying to get is, to guys, here is a similar owner to money. Oh, they've got loads of money, but they just won't put but their own money in. They did have the money. They won't spend it. What have they spent? Mo, it's Mo, you're still in the chat. What have they? What have they actually put into the club, including their inv- initial investment to buy the club? Uh, we're looking at around four hundred million that they've put into the club. I don't think they have I in think twelve years. Oh, you mean total three hundred million to buy it? You know, and then, yeah, I don't think they put anything in three hundred million to buy it, and probably about a hundred million well, there's, just there's for no operating debate. costs That's and not whatever even a else. Debate. That's not even a debate. We know that. We know that. Point that's is, what I mean, like they've never, but they, they with their plan, that the Coutinho sale is such an outlier. Like a player did you, did you, did you buy hear, for eight million Klopp and sell that last for one hundred and forty-six. Did you hear Klopp mention that yeah. yesterday? Oh, by, so the way, <laughs> by the way, welcome aboard to the bottom Reds boat, Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> oh, you have to love it. The way he was talking about right, it, it's like so it was they, done. Most of the... Yeah. It's like it was done. He was now, talking about it like thing. it was so, done for Jan. Like, I mean, Klopp's let's... words, guys. Jeez. I I took from Klopp's words that he knows kind of the lay of the land and where things Something's, are right. Yeah, now. he knows something's happening for sure. Is happening and, and 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 a couple was it the day before where he said that regardless of what happened, he was committed to the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that Wednesday after the derby game, maybe. So that tells yeah, yeah, me yeah. he has an idea of who might buy the club. And he's that would be interesting. That's very good. excited. But that's that's very that's very good news. Then that takes that actually makes me feel a bit better because I think he's a moral guy. He's a guy of morals. You know, Klopp is a guy of morals. He probably sure. he probably would consider his future, wouldn't he? Yeah, like yeah. If, I if think Dubai bought us. Yeah, 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 yeah. For he sure. might consider his future. But his words led me to think that a, it's further along than we're led to believe. And B, it's somebody that he's on board with. And C, he's been told there's going to be a hell of a lot of money to spend. So Tom James because thinks... he seemed like a kid in a, in, a, in a sweet shop. Yeah, so Tom James thinks that Klopp wouldn't leave no matter what, whoever buys the club. I don't think he'd abandon the, fan, abandon the fans like that. Um, I don't know, you know, dude. Look, I mean, there's people willing know. to turn their back on know. the club. Dude. I know that I know who've who supported it all their life are willing to just turn their back on the club. You know, at the end of the day. Well, here's here's my challenge to you guys. You make a list of those people. You make a list of those people, and if Qatar bias or Bahrain or somebody, Bahrain, you yeah. publish that list a year later. If you, I'm not you publish it, that list no, a year no, later no. and whether or not they have. Well, publish no, the I'll, list. I'll, I'll Name and shame them, gangs. <laughs> Name and shame them. Call them out. No, if no, they're no. hypocrites, call them out. <laughs> if they've said they're going to walk away and they don't walk away, call them out. Let's have them out in the no, streets. No, that, that just Let's forces people to... That, that, Let's go and that, egg their houses. That, 
that that forces people to, you know, go out. And I don't want that. I want people to, you know, just have a good think about things and, you know, put everything into context when things... I want the chaos gags. I want the chaos. Well, mate, I don't know if it's going to happen, but Klopp's comments do make you feel a bit better. Gordon Gordon and Hogan, that's the other thing. Gordon, moving on. Mike Hogan. There's the next key thing. Yeah. Hogan won't be here for much longer anyway. You think? Like, Hogan Hogan goes once FSG. Oh, yeah, 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 Once once they sell, he's gone. Of course, of course. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he's gone. But Mike Gordon, Mike Gordon leaving tells me that this is advanced. Because Mike Gordon has run this club day to day for the last 10 or 11 years. After the initial kind of takeover and the first sort of year of feeling things out, Mike Gordon lands. And you remember the early days of AI when we had, when Fidzi would be on kind of semi-regularly and he was always talking about Mike Gordon. Mike Gordon is the guy that makes the decisions. And that's, that's the early days of AI, 2013, 2014. Mike Gordon was the decision maker at the club. So you're looking at least eight, nine years of Mike Gordon making the day-to-day decisions at the club. And for him to relocate back to America, and according to David Ornstein, it's to oversee the sale. That tells me it's it's not just pie in the sky and it's not just early stage inviting offers. That tells me that there is something in place because Mike Gordon knows the inner runnings of the club better than anybody because he's the one that's largely put them in place. He's the one that balanced the business side run by Billy Hogan and the football side run by Michael Edwards. He was the guy that linked it all together and made the final decision. And if he's gone and it's to oversee the sale, I, I think I think we could have new owners by potentially mid-December. Mate, or at least, people, at least be hearing, in those final stages. I'm hearing people willing to put money that by the January transfer window we are under new ownership. I... The first thing I was hoping, I was hearing was by the end of the season. That kind of has fast-tracked. I don't know how long these takeovers take, but surely it takes more than two months, right? Or does it just kind of happen bang-bang? How long does due diligence take and all that? I just remember DIC's due diligence took like three years. Remember that back in the day? DIC are doing due diligence on the that club. Was... Like, that was... <laughs> That's like, it's, it's haunting me. And, and, and the thing life. is, because they due took diligence, so long... It's, Sorry, it's, the, it's yeah. the financial version of Liverpool are monitoring this player. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it just it seems was like, to go. How long is this due diligence going to last? Well, was, see, back then, morals weren't even a thing. We were all fucking on board with DIC coming on board. We were all on board with these ownerships. We were all on board with Shinawatra at some point. And then we found out what he was all about. I went, no, we better move it. We better, we're going to move there, away from there that. There are one. pictures online. There are pictures online of Liverpool fans on the cop circa 2007, 2008, 2009 with homemade signs that read Yanks out, save us Dubai and different things like that. So look, the thing is, we don't know how long this sales process has already been going on because there's no way that 
David Ornstein got the story the day FSG decided to sell. So in all likelihood, this could have been going on for three, four months well, before Ornstein broke that story. Definitely a month. I've seen some things. Uh, I won't mention names because... I've seen some uh, people... I've seen uh, some things said and they a, were a, a month an, ago. Yeah. And so so I'm just like, yeah. okay. There's an account on Twitter, uh, a fairly well-known account, and he, on the 11th of October, I believe it was, had some information that we were up for sale and that he the, the one name he mentioned in particular was Steve Ballmer. It was in a text message that he took a screenshot of and he put it on his Twitter. I, I think know. that was the 11th. Either the message was the 11th or he put it out on the on the 11th. But So that's a month ago. And if, if, if that was the case, then it had been going on for a couple of weeks before that. So it could be two, three months into this. We yeah. just don't know. Could be like, how long season. does it take to draw up all these different? I don't know. Mo all might these know. different things through. Um, if Mo can put in how long it normally takes, but I think it's a couple of months at least. But if it's already been a month in, then by December, you yeah, you're, you're talking by the end of the year should be looking right, right as rain for me. I mean, that would be you're talking October, November, December. That's three months they're guaranteed. But if someone's saying it in October. Club- it's, you're talking. You're talking. Someone's leaking it in October. That means it's been going on since August, September. Yeah. To be honest. So. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Cl- I mean, Cloppo gave the impression of a man that's been told this is going to be done, and you're going to have money to spend in January. So it wouldn't surprise me if Klopp already knows who the potential owner is going. So to Mo's be. saying after sale agreed, month or two getting to completion of sale. So that means. We might not be by January because we haven't had a sale agreed yet. But Bowley and all that was yeah, we might not be sale agreed, but but Bowley yeah, but it was different because because it was different. Yeah, 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 of course, 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 course. Turned over real quick that one, but this one, yeah. So might not. It also depends on how they're funding it, though. True. It also depends on how they're funding it. If it's just if they can just come in and you know. Slap their cock on the table and say, "Here's four million now." <laughs> fuck off out of my office. Um, the famous Camoli life the, of Suarez. That, the famous David Camoli. <laughs> but like, if that's what happens, look, Klopp, Klopp made it seem like he's been told you're good to go in January. Like mm. that's what that's what I took from what he said. Um, I don't know. Like it is. It's it's a little bit. Scary because you know we could end up with another Hicks and Gillette. It's really exciting because we could end up with a Steve Ballmer or a or a, a the, the the Indian chap that you mentioned. Mm. It's a little bit Jesus. What comes next if we get bought by Qatar or or one of these countries? Um, and Isn't, and the, the possibility yeah. of of a war in the fan base, but. I'll tell you one like thing. I said, done. Like I said, look, you, I, I, the likes of Spirit of Shankly. Spirit, Spirit of Shankly came about because of Hicks and Gillette, right? And they're, I think, I think they're overreaching a little bit in some of their their the, the statements they've made since the the sale kind of leaked. But what I will say is, they become far more important under an, a, a regime ownership than they have been under Fenway Sports Group. They become far more important as a voice of the fans when it comes to dealing with 
potential, you know, murderous dictators because they've got a platform, they've got an established line of communication to the club. That's when they become really important. They haven't been important under FSG because there's only been a few major issues across 12 years to really complain about. Do you know? Mm. So anybody can look at that and say, right, well, look, they've done well. They've, they've stepped up here, here, and here. Maybe they should have also stepped up here, but it, it's fine. They've done okay. But under a regime like, you know, whoever, that's when they become much more important. And that's where the people who say, well, we'd walk away, that's where you become so much more important. So That's where these... you become... Yeah, go and finish. I was going to say, that's where you become, you know, the line in the sand where yeah. owners can push, but you push back. We might just have something that we haven't discussed and we should have from the start is the, the, the fan board that we've got where they've actually got in legal writing that they get a say in major decisions at the club. So that might protect us a little They're bit. They're not going to have any say in the sale of the club. They're not going to have any say, you don't say think in so? the sale of the club. I'm sorry. They're just not. No. That's not that's not a club decision. That's not a club decision. The club is not selling itself. The owners are selling the club. Right. And FSG are not going to listen to a, a group of people that don't know what they're talking about, let's be honest. Like none of you have ever sold a four billion pound enterprise before. So who are you to say how it should go about? Like they they would they will probably be advised. Of, of what the situation is. And I, and I do think part of FSG's kind of careful approach to who they sell to will be because they want to make sure that, you know, the fans are happy. Um, mm. But they're like, I know they've got NDA, so they can't discuss it. We know a couple of people on that fan board. But I, I just can't imagine that they have any possible legal way to say, no, you can't sell the club to them. I just no. can't imagine that that would be the case. I think it would be it would just be that they have to they have to go to them before they sell it. That's all to advise, like you said. But then that's where they can yeah, and say, look, the club is about to be sold, and yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, go and make a bunch of noise if you want. But this is what's happening. Mm. But I, I don't I mean, think it's going to come to that. I, I think they are going to be very careful about who they sell to. Because remember, it's like it's it's their reputation on the line as well. Yeah. And as I said earlier, if they're going to continue to own the Red Sox and the Penguins, and they've been linked to buying an NFL team and an NBA team, at some point, John Henry is going to say, "Right, I'm out. I'm going to sell the whole job lot," and he's going to want the value of FSG to be as high as possible. And for that to happen, they have to protect their. They can't do that. If you've got Liverpool fans hammering them online, offline, twenty four seven, very smart thing of FSG to do to get something legally binding with a fan board about club matters. So maybe this goes above the club matters in terms of scale, if that makes sense. But major decisions like ticketing, things like that. So if a new owner comes in, there's this legally binding thing that's in place, you know, with the club and this fan board, no matter what. So that's actually I'd protecting like to see the club a little bit. On, on sponsorship deals. Oh, definitely. 
percent. But I'd like to to see on sponsorship deals. I'd like to see the fan board have at least some sort of a say in that. Yes. So that you know, when there's deals with companies like AXA or whoever, that we're not just shoehorned into relationships with organizations that fund uh, horrendous things. I agree on that. That's a really good point. That's what we should be using it for as well, for sure. So I think in the future, that's where we might go to. But Dave, this has been an absolutely brilliant, wide-ranging conversation for an hour and nearly 45 minutes um, on this topic. We've we've covered... So there's there's two things I need to hit before we go. Mm-hmm. Two things I need to hit before we go. Number one, we have always remained independent from the club. Yep. And will obviously continue to do so. Yep. However, no one's ever funded Helped us in any way, never. No, unlike, unlike certain others, we haven't been involved in that. However, if you are a murderous dictator and want to buy our club and need my support in that, I am open to be being bought. Uh, you can get in touch with me in whatever way you want. Um, so there's that. There's that. For fuck's also, sake, uh, somebody man. asked me today. Listen, listen, and here, listen. If anyone who who earns a living from AI would like to walk away, that's fine. I'll take your work and your money. So don't worry about that either. Um, I'm not. I'm not above shilling myself. Don't 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 you worry. Oh my um, god! Somebody asked me earlier on uh, in the Discord chat. About Ange Postacoglu, if Kloppo did walk away, Ange would be in the top two or three names on my list to replace him. I, I don't care that he's only worked at Celtic. He is a, an absolutely marvellous man, and the football he plays is arguably the best in Europe. So, yeah, Ange Postacoglu, if Kloppo decides to leave because he doesn't like the new owners, give me Ange Postacoglu and I'm happy. We'll still win things because we'll have all the money. All the money. Right, and anything he said, just ignore all of that, okay? So... We're all for sale. We're all for sale. Every one of us. Right. We're so all for sale. The point is, um, we have tried to cover, um, apart from the last five minutes of joking about that he's just done, tried to cover this in a as objective way as possible. Um, you know, we wanted to, we wanted, the, the whole point was to put every side of the argument across um, the entire thing across the morality question, the whole whether it's good for the club, bad for the club, what we don't want, what we would like, um, how that would affect other people, and you know that's that's where we wanted to go with this conversation. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope it was enlightening in some way or or form. Um, fingers crossed. We don't have to face any of it. Uh, the last thing anybody wants is a is a war uh, between between fans and the club. At the end of the day, and um, you know, I think that's what would happen if we went a negative way. Let's fingers crossed the way Klopp's reacted or is talking. At least, if we can take anything from it, I don't know if we can, but if we can, then it sounds positive, um, and maybe exciting times Guys, are ahead. Mm. Do you have your WhatsApp open? I do. Right, I'm going to send you something real quick. Okay. I- you you may have heard the same thing. You'll obviously see at the top who sent me this. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's something that you've heard, but like that is um, 
if that's true, and, and we know that the person that sent me that is at least connected to one person who's involved in some of the talks, um, that's very, very exciting. Yeah, I think um, there's lots of things going around at the moment. Um, and obviously, VIPs, um, we will try and put something in there for you a little bit later. But there's a lot, lot, lot of things. I mean, it's all over Twitter, to be honest. It's, it's basically the stuff that Indy said as well. Uh, there's two offers on the table, this and that, and, you know, Indy But A lot of people hate Indy for his uh, parody-type stuff, but let me tell you, the majority of his Liverpool stuff is spot-on. So, um, you know, so when he says stuff, you should not always throw it in the bin. You can tell when it's a joke, and you can tell when it's not so... What I said, Tags, was not from Indy, by the way. Oh, oh, yes, I know. I know, mate. I know. I'm, I'm reading it. I'm reading it, but what I'm trying to say is that, yeah, yeah, there's what what Indy has said. Two bids on the table sounds like that's doing the rounds. So um, we yeah. might we might be quite, yeah for sure yeah and um, might be a bit further down know, the line bids, than we two thought. Two bids is good for FSG because man, it's a war. Two bids is good for FSG. We've, so the thing that they it's hate doing, a getting here, into a bidding war, they, they, they want people to get onto a bidding war for Liverpool. <laughs> oh, so of be, course, yeah. So of course. But uh, uh, fingers crossed, mate. It's uh, uh, Fingers crossed that it's very positive for the club. The only thing we want is positive things for the club. We want this to be maybe Balmer, you know, that comes in and buys us with a with a you know a whole big investment group with him. That would be absolutely fantastic. Keeps the structure as it is. Maybe changes the CEO and a few of the higher top guys, you know. But keeps all of the recruitment part in everything like that. Let us function as it was already functioning. And um, not you know, not all the recruitment part. You know, not the, all the, the recruitment part. The, the first the bits, thing, the bits. The first thing the new owner needs to do is walk in ring Michael Edwards and say, all the money, whatever it. it takes, all the money, get And back. you will have the power. You will have the power, yeah. You yeah. You have the power, yeah, no matter what. You can tell Jürgen what's what. You can tell Pep and Linders to go and suck an egg. You're the man. You're coming in. You're running things again. Yeah, Michael Edwards. Imagine if that did I don't think it will happen, but imagine if it like. happened. It would be sick. But anyway, um, point is, what what I'm trying to say is we really want everything to be positive and let's, fingers crossed, this does lead to something that's really positive. And maybe it's taken this long to find the right buyer because everybody knows they've been trying to sell for a while. Since they won the Champions League, they've been trying to sell. Maybe it took two or three years to find the right buyer. So fingers crossed, lads and lasses. Hopefully some... Um, Lots of Liverpool kicking ass around the corner. That would be beautiful, man. It really would be. And not under the shadow and not under, not, not being outdone by people with um, clubs with an unfair advantage. Let's level that playing field. Let's see how good you really are. Because I think we'd probably walk it. We'd probably walk everybody right now, the way we're run. So just needs that injection of cash that big injection of cash to, to help us out with an aging squad. But Dave, thank you very much. This has been a great couple of hours speaking to you and it was long overdue. So we got it done. 
I can't hear you. Yeah, and okay, it was nice of you to take time out to, <laughs> uh, to, to, to speak. To, yeah, we've, we've developed a delay here for some reason. Oh, um, it was okay. nice of you to take some time out to speak to the people and, and no longer ignore them as you have been for the last six months or so. You know, you, you had time to go on under pressure, but no time for an old school. People don't want under pressure. Oh, they want old school. Um, so, you know, yeah, no. time to go to Vegas and... and you know, frivolously gamble, but you know, no time for people on podcasts. So oh, I won fine. some money in a poker event. Tony, as well, yeah. came second. It was thirty people. It was very good. The the run continues. It's been it's there been great. But, yeah. Anyway, Gags um, is buying the club. That's who's <laughs> buying the club. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't mentioned the King of Scotland before we go. I've already spoken to him. He says he's not interested. <laughs> he he doesn't believe that countries should own football clubs either. <laughs> Excellent, excellent, excellent. Right. He said if he's if he's gonna buy one he'll buy he'll buy Wraith Rovers. There you go. And why not? That is everything on old school. Thank you so much today. Thank you all for listening live and um yeah, we'll be back very soon. Up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go... We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.